Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Mentor Me Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Hall, and today I had the pleasure of sitting down with Chris Ronzio, who is the founder and CEO of Trainual. Trainual stands for Training Manual, and Trainual is a company that helps businesses automate their onboarding and training by documenting every process, policy, and procedure in one simple system. Chris is also the host of the Process Makes Perfect podcast, the author of 100 Hacks to Improve Your Business, and Inc. Magazine contributor with a column called The Process Playbook. With Trainual, Chris is on a mission to make life for small business owners easier by helping business leaders find time to do more of what they love and providing a way to document and delegate what they do. I really enjoyed my time with Chris, and I hope you do too. Can you tell me just a background about yourself, Chris, and how you got to Trainual? Because I read online that you started your first business when you were about like 14 years old. Um, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit about uh, your background and where that entrepreneurial spirit comes from? Yeah, of course. All right. So I've started my first business that paid taxes at 14, but I always had a, you know, a streak of entrepreneurship as a kid. So when I was growing up, the first thing I ever did was my uncle offered me $4 to wash his car that was sitting out in the driveway. And as a, as a, a little kid, $4 is a ton of money. A lot of and gumballs. I grew up in the eighties. So $4 was exactly enough to buy a Ninja Turtle action figure. And so that was like, that was my currency as a little kid. So I washed the car and that led to washing like every car in the neighborhood. And then, you know, that turned into, you know, lemonade stands and yard, you know, yard work and cleaning houses and really just doing any kind of odd jobs to make money. So I, I had all these business cards as a little kid. I would print them out on the computer and pass them out to neighbors. So I just loved the idea of business. My dad was in corporate world. And so I got to see him, you know, in a suit and a briefcase going to work. And I, I thought being in business is cool, but I couldn't get a job unless I made one up myself. And so that's, I think, where the, <laughs> the entrepreneur thing came from. So by the time I got into high school, um, I was thinking I wanted to be like in video production and I wanted to be you know, on ESPN, one of the sportscasters. And so I joined this cable access station in our town where we, me and my friend made a little TV show and we would interview people around town, like the guy that made the biggest snowman or, you know, like those, <laughs> those random things that would happen in a small town. Sure. And we, we made a, a little TV show. And so because it was the the turn of when all the new digital equipment was coming out around 2000 ish um our show ended up being like the only show on tv and so in our little small town in massachusetts this show aired over and over and over again like 40 50 60 times a week and so people started coming up to me in in school and saying oh you're the video guy can you <laughs> film my grandpa's birthday or can you do this or and then our teachers started asking us like can you guys film the soccer games can you film the talent show so it started really humbly you mm. know just just people asking for that stuff and so i started the business 14 and grew it through high school, through college, started doing all these like state level championships and regional events in New England. And by the time I, I finished school, 
Uh, we had grown to 300 camera operators, and then we set up three offices around the U.S. and we were doing events across the across the country. So it turned into this this big operation. But no uh, way, so much fun to to build that. That's incredible. So. How much of that is just you had an entrepreneurial spirit, but how much of that was also just starting something and just trying something and maybe you fail at it. Maybe it turns into, I have three corporate offices, uh, you know, around the U S you know, <laughs> how much of that is just starting out and seeing where it goes. I mean, it's all starting out. I would say it's like everything we did was an experiment, um, because, you know, everything is new f the first time you do it. And so f for for us at the beginning, it was any kind of video. You know, it was like we were doing corporate videos and commercials and music videos and bar mitzvahs and parties and weddings. <laughs> and it's like anyone that would pay us. Yeah. Um, but then when we started doing the sporting events, the school sporting events, and then the re the league events and the, the regional events, we saw that those things happen either weekly or every month or every quarter. Mm. And, and so there was some repeatability to it. And so it, it, the, you know, wanting to the desire to do wedding an, a wedding versus like an event that happens every week and you're selling copies of it every week, you know, you, you gravitate towards the thing that's working. And so, sure. So the business just kept, kept refining and, but everything, you know, along the way, it was like, let's try buying new cameras. Let's hire some new person to do this thing. It's, everything's an experiment. Right. So now with that business, business experience, when you were just kind of testing out and then, um, when you brought that over to Trainual, what did that look like? You know, when, when you started that first thing and it was, it was an idea, but it was, Hey, this could just be me and you making videos. No one could watch. And then you're taking it when, when you're an adult now and you're saying, all right, I've got a family to feed. So I can't just test something out like that, but there's also the same risk, right? Of, of jumping into something new. Um, yeah. Take me back to the beginning of Trainual and, and when you made that jump uh, to say, all right, I'm going all in on this. Yeah. So, so in between selling my video company, which was 2013 and starting okay. Trainual, which was 2018, I had a consulting business where I was going in and working with small growing companies and kind of coaching them through some of the things I had done in my own business. And so for me in my own business, the roles and responsibilities of like who did what in a company were crucial. And then because we had so many camera operators training them and, and, and giving them standard operating procedures and like the way you do things was so critical to mm -hmm. growing that business. And so that's what I started consulting on. And so, um, as I was going company to company, I, I would see that like every company has a unique way of doing things. And most of them, it's not written down. It's just, they explain it to you and they, you teach your new employees based on sitting around in a conference room. And, <laughs> and I, I realized that there was a, a need for some kind of product that would capture, you know, the essence of the business, their, their playbook or their, their operations manual or training manual. And that's where the idea for, for trainual came from. Mm. So um, my consulting business was actually doing really well. We had, you know, was starting to grow. I had five employees. Um, I was making a, an incredible income. I had my first son. And so it was a really good lifestyle business. I had like a hundred days off a year or something crazy. Like <laughs> I went on vacations all the time with my wife. And, and so life was actually really good. And so, so starting Trainual after having the consulting business, 
um, was almost more risky than well, was mm. definitely more risky than starting a business when, when you've got nothing to lose. Mm. Um, so it, it took, uh, it took some conviction to, to, to go for it. So it was actually my wife, she was encouraging me and saying that this, like so, this little software project, this side thing that we had started to, to play with, um, was, was probably a real opportunity. And mm. it initially it was making, um, you know, like a couple hundred bucks a month. And then it was, and then it got up to like a thousand dollars a month and $1,500. It's like paying our rent or my car payment. And she's like, why don't you just work on that thing? So, mm. so she really encouraged me to, uh, to go full in on trainual, but it was a big bet. Yeah. If your wife had never pushed you to do it, do you think you would have done it? Or do you think you would have kept it as like a side thing and, and, and kept doing your other job? I don't know. It was because it was her, it was one of my best friends was, was kind of harassing me about it. Um, <laughs> I tried to actually sell Trainual in its entirety to a friend of mine for $40,000. And I think you didn't, huh? Yeah. I, I would, <laughs> at the time I would have been very happy to sell it. And he was like, do you want to be a consultant forever? Or do you want to be a, a CEO? Hmm. And that kind of kept ringing in the back of my head. Like, you know, I'm as a small consulting business, you know, I'm, I'm making a great living, but I really am the product. Whereas if I wanted to be a CEO and build a, a real big company again, um, you know, the software was a way to do it. And so it was kind of the, you know, the perfect storm of like the two of them getting in my uh, <laughs> either shoulder and, uh, and then just realizing like, you know, at the, at the time I could only work with 10 companies at a time or something. And I set this big vision that we wanted to work with 25,000 small businesses. Mm. And for me, with the consulting business, that meant let's go hire a bunch of consultants and let's set up people in different cities like I did with the camera operators. Um, and I just had this kind of this aha of like, well, if we want to work with thousands of businesses, maybe software is a, an easier way to get to that vision. And so it all converged at kind of the same time my employees were on board. And so we went for it. That's awesome. So at the beginning of your, uh, you know, start of Trainual, did you have any background in like IT or technology or anything like that? I mean, obviously you, you did a little bit from your previous business, um, but was it kind of a shot in the dark thinking like, all right, I'm going to have to go learn something new and try something new. So I actually learned a lot about software through my consulting business. I didn't know anything about it with the video company, but when, when I first started consulting, one of my first customers or clients was weirdly enough, it was this Arabian horse farm that had, you know, this, this guy that was investing in basically building like Yelp for the equestrian industry. Interesting. And so it's, it's a real niche industry, but like there's, there's people that, that have horses that compete in these events. And when you travel city to city, you're looking for, you know, uh, different equipment and you're looking for different coaches and different vets and, and you need to look up information. And so it, part of what he did was live stream those events. And so since I had the background in live streaming and video and an understanding of tech consulting, he asked me to be a part of, uh, of, of rebuilding this application. So it actually hmm. taught me how to manage a software project. And so that, that knowledge you know, became really important when, when we started Trainual. That's crazy. So Trainual is very, um, 
you know, centered around creating systems that make your business as efficient as possible and helping you do what you love to do and not the things that you don't. Is that kind of what I, that's kind of what I understood from, from reading the website and everything like, is that kind of what Trainual is about? Yeah, it's all about the roles and responsibilities in a business. It's like, who does what and how do you do each of those things? And mm -hmm. so, you know, as, as you're growing a company, you can't do everything. And so the only way to scale is to start to hand off and delegate responsibilities. And the biggest reason why people would fail at that is that you didn't give them clear instructions. And so using a tool like Trainual, you can outline, here's how to do this thing. And then you can group it by role in the business and assign it to someone, make sure that they understand it. They can ask questions. And I believe that that's foundational to really scaling a business. It's, mm -hmm. it's organizing who does what, giving them clear expectations, clear instructions. And so that's what the, the tool does. So how do you know, Chris, when it's time to delegate responsibility out versus keep it on your own plate and, all right, I'm just going to do this myself. It's when, whenever you don't want to do it anymore, it's pretty simple, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, like, if typically for, you know, for, for an entrepreneur or someone, um, we're builders, we like inventing things. And then once it feels like a, a job and you're doing it the same way every time, um, then you tend to not like it as much anymore. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I remember so many times in my own businesses, like with the, the video company, I was, I actually really loved doing video editing until I had so much video editing work that I was like, Oh, another one of these. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I loved being on camera until I was on camera 30 hours a week. And I, and, and I was all set with that, you know? And, and so like you do something until you feel like you've, you've perfected it and then you want someone else to do it. And, mm. um, that's when to document or, or delegate. So for people that are not business owners, um, how do you see the role of delegation? Um, you know, how do you go about delegating things if you're not an owner? Is that, I think that that's kind of where lines get a little bit more blurry, right? Because <laughs> you just like, all right, this is kind of on my job, but I'm sick of doing it. I, it feels like a job now. I'm not as fired up about it. Um, what, do you, what do you have to say about you know, delegation from a non-business owner? Well, delegation kind of has a nasty connotation. It feels like you're forcing someone to do something, right? It does, yeah. And so first thing I would say is don't look at it that being smart about allocating resources. And so even if you're working in a job and you have responsibilities on your own plate, it's totally within your ability to share those responsibilities with other peers at the company or to hire a virtual assistant for yourself to help you with your own job mm. or to find some kind of technology or some software tool that you delegate part of what you're doing to you know like we had an example on uh, on our team we have someone that that does pr and she had this uh this software she wanted for uh, making outreach for PR a little bit easier. So mm -hmm. in a sense, she's delegating one of her responsibilities. She's just delegating it to a software tool, you know? And so like, we should always be looking for ways to get more efficient, whether it's through, you know, getting someone else on your team to, to, to help you with something, hiring, hiring some virtual outsourced kind of assistant, finding some technology, you know, you're, you're always just trying to get more efficient and increase your own capacity. Yeah, that's super good. Cause I, I think you're right. Um, I think 
when it is your job title. Um, and delegating is, is exactly what you said. It shouldn't be this nasty thing. It should say, it should be when I want to do something as efficient as possible and getting a virtual assistant is that thing. I think that's money. So what do you think, Chris, is the number one thing companies come to you for um, that they have a complaint about for, you know, efficiency? I'm not, my company's not running as efficient as it should be. What do companies usually come to you for? What is the number one thing? Well, for Trainual, I would say the number one thing is now your onboarding, your orientation, because Mm -hmm. especially with most people being remote right now, if you start working at a new job, it can be a really clunky, horrible experience. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of this already. I've heard yeah. of a lot of my, uh, you know, friends that have had that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a different world we live in now. And so I would say that's the reason people are signing up today is they're trying, they care about their employee experience and being able to tell a story about your company and clearly communicate your culture and your vision and how the business works and clearly articulate someone's job description and how they do those things. You know, investing in a tool like ours is being really intentional on that. And it's because you care about the, the employee experience. And so it's, you know, it's only going to be a, a really people centric business that cares about people that would invest in something like, like our tool. Um, I guess more more broadly, the the question about the the pain points and like the the pe- reason people call me when I was consulting, I used to do this thing called a responsibility matrix, which sounds fancy, but it's like a spreadsheet that has all your people on it and then all the things you do, and it's kind of like X's on who does what. And believe it or not, that that is like the the thing people screw up the most is just you get hired for one thing, and then over a year or two years or whatever, your job is entirely different. It's not what you were hired to do because the company has changed. And if the company doesn't do a good job updating what they're expecting of you, then you don't know if you're doing a good job. You don't know if, are they supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do this? We're both kind of doing it. We're crossing wires. So just, just a, a, some clarity on, on who does what I think is a big struggle for, for small businesses. Yeah. And how do you, as a business owner, how do you make sure your employees have as much clarity as possible? Are there some things that you implement to make sure uh, this role is so clearly defined that, that you know, if you're not doing a good job or, you know, you're, you are succeeding in that role? Yeah. So for us, I mean, we put a ton of attention into the job description when it's just posted. We, we put, uh, you know, we've got like four or five rounds of interviews and a test project. So the, the role you're getting hired for it is super obvious what you're going to be doing when you're hired before you're even hired. Um, we take people through Trainual, our own software, when they're candidates. So they're learning about the company as part of the, the hiring process. Um, so, so pre-hire is a lot of that stuff. And then post-hire, we have 90-day plans, 30, 60, 90-day plans for everyone that we hire that says like, by 30 days, here's what you will have accomplished. By 60 mm-hmm. days, here's what you will have done. Um, because it gives them a clear map of what they're going to do for their first few months. And then we also have job scorecards, we call them, which is like, here's your core purpose as a team member here. Here's the, the couple measurables of like how you'll know what you're going to do. Uh, if you're going to do, uh, if you're doing a good job, it's like mm-hmm. these, these measurable things. So we put a lot of energy in, into that stuff, but um, it's, it's a pretty low bar. A lot of companies just don't even think about it. So it's just yeah. really comes down to communication. 
you know, at a basic bare minimum, sit down and just talk about, here's what we expect. Does that sound good to you? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Especially in the season of COVID, you know, I think the clarity and communication needs to be almost doubled when you're, when you're working from home and you're not with your team in the office every day, uh, where it's very, it's much easier to see that goal and, and, and work towards that together. When you're separated, there's a little bit of like, I don't know if it's loneliness, but, but separation between you, your team and the goal. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like that communication and clarity needs to be doubled. Have you seen that in your business? Oh, for sure. You know, it's like when I, um, when I started dating my wife, when she was my girlfriend, our first year of dating, uh, was she, she was across the country at college mm. and it's like, we had to put so much more energy into maintaining the relationship because we were remote. <laughs> yeah. Know? Right. You have to try harder. And it's the same now with, with, uh, with team members. It's like, we have to intentionally set up one-on-one check-ins and, and, you know, just time to catch up about the weekend because you don't just walk by someone in the hallway anymore. Right. Um, so definitely has to, has to be intentional. Yeah, I agree. Chris, what are some sacrifices that you've had to make <clears throat> as an entrepreneur and business owner that maybe some of your friends who aren't business owners, um, you've seen them not have to make those sacrifices. Are there ones in your life that you've, uh, certain sacrifices you've had to make? Yes. I mean, so many times when I was in, when I was in high school, I, I was a starting point guard on my basketball team and I quit my basketball team because I was getting so busy with my video company. Um, when I was in college, it was like all my friends, my roommates were going out parties and, and whatever. And I was staying home editing some stupid video, you know, <laughs> or like we're working on our, our website. Cause some pages down. Um, when, when I was first starting, uh, you know, to, to date my wife, I was traveling all around the, the country and, and, you know, attending events and making sure things were going off without a hitch and, and, you know, had to, had to do that when I was um, just starting Trainual, I, I went without a paycheck for like six months and incurred something like $300,000 in credit card debt. And I mean, like, those are major sacrifices that you're, you're taking gambles and hoping it pays off. Um, and so now, my, my college friends and my high school friends would, you know, would, would be jealous, but they'd switch with you in a heartbeat. Right. Yeah. But like, not back then it took, yeah. it took a lot back then. Okay. You mentioned the $300,000 in credit card debt. That's crazy. What, I mean, what was going through your head at that time? Like in terms of, were you scared? Were you thinking, all right, this is going to pay off. I know we'll be good. Yeah. Um, well, both, I mean, what was going through my head was how do I get more credit card debt available to me? (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was maxing out all of my cards and (laughs) opening new cards and trying to figure out like how, how much can I, can I get? Um, So what gave me confidence on that is I wasn't going into debt to build the business. I was going into debt to scale the business. So Mm. trainual, um, we had proven in the first few months that customers were signing up and liking it and getting value out of it. And so then it was just a game of like, how do we acquire more customers? And so for us, that was ad spend on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and YouTube and, um, and, and 
So scaling the business required spending on those ads to get customers mm -hmm. into trials and get them to convert. And so when we had the formula working out and we understood how much we had to spend to get a new customer, um, it was pretty predictable. And for me, the value of the company was tied to the number of customers and the revenue that we had. And so, so it was a pretty easy math problem to say like, all right, yes, I'm going in debt short term, but on the other hand, we've got investors knocking on the door. And if the price that they're willing to pay for the company is tied to our top line revenue, then I want that top line revenue to go as high as it can sure. before I sell any kind of piece of the company. And so if I could have got a million dollars in debt, I would have taken the million dollars, but no bank would give me a loan. So sure. it was like Amex. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, was that was that personal debt at that time or was that technically in the business? Oh, I mean, it was all my personal credit cards because the, the company couldn't get, had, had didn't have the operating history to get. <laughs> sure. It was too new. Was, yeah. So, I mean, it was just, it was, it was using all my cards and calling the banks to say like, Hey, I've got a big purchase that I'm planning on. Like, can you increase my limit? But doing it to every bank on the same day. <laughs> and, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was dicey. My, um, my, I remember one day my wife called me because she was at the grocery store and all of our cards were declining as she's trying to like check out and get groceries. And so it's like a, a pretty humbling moment when yeah. you got to like go to the back of the line with all your groceries because like the charges wouldn't go through, you know? And so yeah, we took it pretty much as far as we could and then finally raised, raised money. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, that's a, that's a really cool story though. It's, it's betting on the business, but the way you explain it is I was never worried about it. You know, investors saw our, what our revenue was and I was never worried about the $300,000 in debt. But that's one thing I talk to my friends a lot about is entrepreneurs are really betting on themselves for a lot of their career. Um, when did you figure out, it sounds like at a young age, you, you learned to bet on yourself. Um, what do you think holds people back from betting on themselves and jumping uh, on the entrepreneurship bandwagon and, and trying something? I think you haven't fully analyzed the downside, the upside. I mean, if, if you felt like you had a good enough opportunity and you saw it clearly enough, I think everyone would take, take the bet. But if you don't have the, the demand from customers or you don't have the, you know, if it, like I, I, I took that bet because it penciled out, you know, I was able mm -hmm. to do the, to, to do the math and say this, this makes sense. Um, so I think what people need to focus on is find some little idea that's working, you know, give, give yourself, give yourself confidence based on something working. Like you've got mm -hmm. a, a little service that you're doing that everybody seems to love, or you've got a little product you created and, and people like that. And then you take larger and larger bets based on that confidence. And so, so for me, if I, if I could have gone back earlier, you know, I always took bets in business. Like I, I would book an event and I'd put in, in the proposal that we had some cool equipment that we didn't have. And then we'd get the, you know, they would accept our proposal and I'd be like, crap, I got to go rent this thing, <laughs> you know, but like, but that's a, it's a small bet in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Maybe it was a $5,000 or $10,000 piece of equipment and, and like taking a, a little bit of a gamble by renting that thing, but, but then it pays off. And so sure. 
I would have taken bigger bets earlier. Like mm. you know, I, I have friends that are in real estate that, you know, bought put, um, you know, all of their savings or whatever into a down payment on a rental property that was not for them. And, and, you know, the market went up and they built equity in this house mm. while they were paying, you know, 400 bucks for four of their roommates in some crappy apartment, but yet they're building equity in this place over here. Yeah. You know, and like that, that is a big risk that mm. you're taking, but, but um, you're doing it in a different way. So, I mean, as long as it's calculated, I I'm all for risk. Sure. Okay. You hit on one thing that uh, I'm going to ask next. You said you would, you would take more risks or take bigger risks earlier. Um, but what are some things growing up you wish you would have done more of and things you would have done less of? I know you had mentioned you were an entrepreneur at heart and it sounds like you kind of took risks. Um, but what are a couple other things you wish you would have done more and less of as you were growing up? I wish I would have gotten more experience in different types of businesses earlier on. Mm. Um, so when I was consulting, I, I had about 150 different customers across all different industries. And that really awakened the confidence in me to say like, oh, these things that worked in my business, um, I know a lot about stuff that people in all these different industries are willing to pay for. And I didn't understand that until you know, a few years into my consulting business. And so I think thinking back, I had an internship in college while I was running my video company at a management consulting firm. And just the exposure to that one business was all the confidence I needed to start my own consulting firm after I sold my, my video company. And so if, if someone's young and they're, they're hungry, I would say get exposure to so many businesses, mm. like take internships, ask if you can interview people like you're doing, you know, just understand different businesses because it'll unlock ideas and opportunities for you sooner than if you just wait and let life take its course. Yeah, that's so good. All right, Chris, I got three final questions for you. They're kind of more fun and just about lifestyle kind of, do you have a morning routine or a routine throughout your day at all? Um, but specifically in the morning, I feel like most people have morning routines and if so, what does it look like? Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I get up at usually around 5am. I go downstairs, I make a pot of coffee. I uh, sit down in my home office. I do 10 minutes of headspace meditation. I pull out my iPad and I have a, a Apple notes in my iPad that I use as my journal. And I write for like 10 minutes on whatever's on my mind, tasks for mm -hmm. the day, dreams, things that came up during the, uh, during the meditation. So I do all that stuff. And then I work out for half hour to an hour and it could be weights, could be Peloton, could be running around the, the block. Um, and then I play with the kids and do breakfast and that whole routine. I've got two kids now. And sometimes some days I take one of my sons to, to school and uh, some days I don't, but then basically from like nine o'clock on is work time. And so from, you know, 5am to 9am is like personal development time. And so mm. Um, I'm doing that routine I just mentioned. And while I'm working out or something, I'm listening to podcasts or audiobooks or, or whatever it is. And so I really feel like investing that, you know, four hours a day is a ton of time to invest in yourself. But if you do it intentionally, you're, you're, you know, you're meditating, you're freeing space in your head, you're, um, you're journaling and like clearing ideas out, you're, 
um, listening to podcasts or reading books or, or, you know, just infusing knowledge. Right. Right. Um, it's, it, it creates an incredible ripple effect through the rest of your day and, and everything you're doing. Mm. So I don't want to get too personal here, but when you're meditating, what are you usually meditating about? Is it, is it thinking about what you have for the day? Is it kind of just relaxing and whatever thoughts flow through? What does that look like for you? No, so I use the app Headspace, which is a bit guided, but mostly you're, you're trying not to think about anything and you're, you're uh, focusing on your breath and just, mm. and, and just, you know, letting, letting go of stress, focus on your breath. But what happens is like thoughts pop into your head. And so you think, you note them for a second and you're like, okay, that's something I got to do today. And mm. then you have to intentionally redirect back to just your breathing. And so it's, it's a, a really important exercise because you're building this muscle of like something comes up during the day that's stressful. You can kind of almost go outside of your, your emotion, your, your response and, and say like, huh, all right, there's something that I've got to deal with. Um, but you don't let it stress you out. And so it's, mm. it's, it's like a conditioning exercise almost. But then when I stop the, you know, after those 10 minutes, I'm reflecting in the journal and saying like, what are all those things that popped up? Because there's certain things that are just a random idea, a, sure. a task I got to do today, a meeting I've got later in the day that I want to be prepared for a, um, it could be anything. Actually, one, one thing I left out of this is so I have a chief of staff here, uh, Trainual, and she and I have a call at eight o'clock every morning. So it's sort of like while I'm getting ready or, or whatever. And she has a synced version of my notes in my iPad. And so we, we go through all those tasks together. She updates mm. me on what's going to happen for the day. Um, so it's a, it's a really important part of, of the routine is just unloading what's in your mind mm. and, uh, and planning for the day. Yeah, that's so good. I'm, I'm terrible at journaling. I, I do it, but I don't do it well. Like I can't be terrible at it. it it's like, you be some days I write like pages and some days it's yeah. like a bullet points and some days it's just sure. like three tasks. I mean, it's just, you're just whatever's on your mind. Yeah. I, I guess what I mean when I'm terrible, I, I don't enjoy it. I guess is what I'm saying. I, I don't enjoy, there are some days I feel like writing and then there are some days I don't. Mm. Um, do you have a specific, um, you know, template that you do when you journal or is it, is it just whatever comes to my mind? Is it, you know, you write down what you're thankful and grateful for, or is it just thoughts? It's, it's totally unstructured and I've done things in the past, like the, the five minute journal and, mm. and that has a more form-based approach where it's like, you know, what are you grateful for? What are you thinking about today? Or what do you have to do? Three things you're going to do today. Mm. Um, since I started doing it on my iPad, it's literally whatever comes to my head in the order that it comes to, to my head. And so, so it might be that like all the whole meditation, the whole morning, I've been thinking about some issue that is, that I'm really bothered about. And so I end up just free form writing about that thing on other days. It's like, I've got so many tasks on my mind. So I end up making a list of like 11 to do's, um, you know, and on other days, it's just like a couple of bullet points and dashes of things. And, and I, I, I end up doing it for one minute and then I move on because I'm more excited to go like play with my son or something. Sure. Um, so I, I don't think you need to create rules for yourself. It's just about, you know, downloading whatever, whatever you're thinking about. Yeah, no, that makes sense. What's the best book you've read this year? Hmm. 
Best book all year. Um, I'm reading No Rules Rules right now by Reed Hastings the net, from Netflix. And uh, I really like that right now. So I guess it's just kind of like whatever's, whatever's top of mind. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably that one. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Um, where can people find you and where can they find Trainual? So Trainual is just like training manual, trainual.com. Uh, if definitely go there, if you're any, in any way involved with growing a business and, and you want tips about that. Um, if you want to follow me, it's just at Chris Ronzio. I hang out most on Instagram and, uh, LinkedIn. So those are the two best places. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is cool. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Chris Ronzio. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and had some interesting takeaways to bring to your career, business, or just your life. If you did enjoy, please go give it a rating wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you soon.